Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost. I'm your host Annette. And I'm Stephen. And today we are on episode 64. Uh, so this is our first episode in our new housey. That's basically my way of explaining if the if the sound, the sound shouldn't be too weird. We haven't filled this room with furniture yet so it's a little echoey. We crack on? We have filled it with every box we own though. That is very true, very true. And a teepee. Crack on. Is the teepee in here? Do, do you... Do you open it up during the day when you're on your break? I get into it. <laughs> I work from it. It's remote working. You're allowed to work wherever you want. Can we crack on? Crack on. Everyone has a bedtime routine, whether they know it or not, whether it's intentional or not. You might have a meticulous set of steps that you follow, like a facial, brushing your teeth, into your pajamas, nighttime tea, climbing into bed, eye mask on, white noise playing, cuddling a pillow or your favourite cuddly toy and you're out. Or barely getting to the pajamas part, falling asleep with your phone stuck to your face and still half dressed. No shame, I have been both of these people. Bedtime is a glorious time and should be prioritised. There's a reason sleep deprivation is used as a method of torture. So one would think that a gift of a doll to bring some cheer to your day or help you sleep at night would be a good thing, whether you're 5 or 25. That's where we'll begin our story, because it started out as innocent as it sounds. First, I should point out that while this doll isn't as lifelike as her cinematic counterpart with her porcelain skin and realistic features, the Annabelle doll is even creepier for her ordinary appearance, evoking memories of childhood toys and simpler times. Donna was training to be a nurse. The hours were long and the work, though rewarding, was hard. So for her 25th birthday, her mother gifted her a beautiful Raggedy Ann doll. Donna was elated with her gift, hoping it would bring cheer to her little apartment. She rushed home to show her roommate, fellow nurse Angie. They both loved the touch of nostalgia it brought to their home. Her fiery red threads for hair, triangle nose and stitched smile. In the beginning, Donna would leave the doll in her bedroom, laid out in front of her pillows after she made her bed. That way when she came home, she would be greeted with the warm face of her doll. But shortly after receiving the doll, Donna would come home to find her in a different position than she had left her. She could have easily misremembered, kind of like when you wonder, did I lock the front door today or am I remembering how I locked the door on a different day? But when she actively remembered positioning the doll in a certain way, it was never quite the way she left it. But then it got stranger. On arriving home, the girls would find the doll not only in a different position, but in a different room. Donna would have left the doll on the sofa in the sitting room, only to find her on the bed behind a closed bedroom door. A close friend of the girls, and according to some stories, Angie's partner Lou, expressed feelings of unease around the doll and advised the girls to get rid of it. Of course, this could have been the rantings of a fully grown man who just didn't understand the love the girls had for the doll, but something tells me the doll sensed the tone when Lou was around. Not long after Lou's warnings of concern, the girls found little scraps of paper scattered around the apartment. Doesn't sound too bad, except it was on stationery they did not own and written in childlike handwriting, 
still not weird enough for you? The little scraps of paper were said to have help us written on some and help Lou written on the others. Now, if I'm being honest, personally, I would have gotten rid of the doll about three creepy things ago, but the girls decided to go a different route altogether and contact a medium. This was after the girls found what looked like blood on the doll's hands and chest, and if I'm being truthful, I don't blame them. I would have been curious to say the least. The medium held a seance with the girls and the doll, and through it discovered that living in the doll was the spirit of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle. And here we get Annabelle's name. There are different accounts of the story, of course, but some say that Annabelle's body was found in a field. The field where Donna and Angie's apartment complex was later built. According to the spirit of Annabelle, Donna and Angie made her feel loved and she wanted to stay with them. So they did what any sane lady would do and bought her new clothes and doted on her like she was theirs. Meanwhile, having all his warnings ignored, Lou was having a hard time with this new information. He wasn't willing to accept that the doll's intentions were good. One night, Lou woke up from a particularly bad dream to a nasty little spell of sleep paralysis. His eyes darted across the room and suddenly fixed on something that he could kind of see by his feet. He couldn't quite make out what it was until it began to slowly climb up his legs from his feet to his chest. It was Annabelle. He felt her plush little hands grip his neck tighter and tighter as she began to strangle him until he passed out. On waking the following morning, Lou was sure it wasn't a dream. It felt too real. The following day, Lou called over to Donna and Angie's as he and Angie were taking a road trip together. While Angie was gathering her things, they both heard loud noises coming from Donna's room as if two people were engaged in a vicious struggle. When they opened Donna's door, Lou found no signs of anyone having been in the room, just Annabelle sitting in the middle of the room as if she had been tossed on the floor. Lou made his way to the doll to put her back on the bed, but before he could reach her, he doubled over in pain. While he clutched his chest, he saw his shirt was now soaked in blood. He ripped open his shirt in a panic and was frozen in fear when he saw claw scratches in the mark of the beast. For anyone who doesn't know what that looks like, his chest looked like advertising space for monster energy drinks. The most shocking part is, the claw marks were said to have healed almost immediately, and by the second day, you would never have known he was hurt at all. At this point, Donna had had enough. I mean, again, I would have been done five crazy things ago, but what do I know? She decided to call a priest, and after hearing her predicament, he contacted a higher-ranking priest, who then contacted the infamous Ed and Lorraine Warren. Ed and Lorraine had established the New England Society for Psychic Research back in 1952, and according to their findings, the doll wasn't possessed by a spirit at all, as spirits do not possess inanimate objects. The doll was actually being manipulated by a demonic spirit, which was using the doll as a tether until it was able to possess a human host. According to Ed and Lorraine, the demon was only a few weeks away from completing its possession. Aside from the obvious downsides of a homicidal doll, the complete infestation would have likely ended up with the deaths of Donna, Angie and Lou. Ed and Lorraine asked a priest to perform an exorcist blessing on the girls' home, and the Warrens were asked to take the doll with them away from the girls. 
The journey back to the Warren home was not an enjoyable drive. Ed is said to have nearly lost control of the car on several occasions as the car kept swerving on the road and the brakes would fail. When Ed had had enough, he did the sign of the cross with a vial of holy water in front of Annabelle, just so that they could complete the journey home somewhat safely. When the Warrens founded the New England Society for Psychic Research, they began to gather an ever-expanding collection of knick-knacks and artefacts that had been touched by evil. And where did they keep it? In the basement of their home, of course. But to be fair, this was better than the original plan where the doll was placed in Ed's study and she reportedly levitated and moved about the house. Even when they moved her to one of the outer buildings of their home, the doll would still turn up inside the house later on. Finally, the Warrens decided it was safest to lock Annabelle up for good. A specially made case of glass and wood was constructed for the Warrens, which was inscribed with the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer. For the remainder of his life, Ed would periodically say a binding prayer over the case, ensuring the sinister spirit living within the doll remained contained. Since being locked up, Annabelle the doll hasn't moved again, but it's alleged that her spirit still manages to find ways to reach those outside of her case. A visiting priest, Father Jason Bradford, picked up Annabelle and discounted her demonic abilities. Ed warned the priest about mocking the doll and her power, but the young priest laughed it off and mockingly said, You're just a rag doll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anyone. He didn't put any stock in the warnings. Why would he? He hadn't witnessed the doll do anything demonic. Lorraine advised Father Jason to be cautious on his drive home and to phone her when he arrived safely. He did call, but not to confirm his safe arrival. On his journey home, Father Jason was involved in a near-fatal crash that totaled his car. He claimed to have seen Annabelle in his rearview mirror just before the accident. But this wasn't the only motor accident suspiciously linked to an encounter with the rag doll. One visitor to the Warrens Museum reportedly banged on the doll's case, taunting and mocking her, telling her to prove she was haunted by scratching him. Ed, not finding this display at all amusing, asked the man and his girlfriend to leave. They got on his motorbike and continued their journey. But later, his girlfriend would tell Lorraine that one minute they were talking and laughing about how silly the doll was, and the next thing, he lost control of his bike, crashed into a tree, killing him instantly. Now, I don't know how I feel about dolls being manipulated by demons, even though this is the second episode in which we have covered dolls. We already covered Robert the Doll. But I have what the Irish like to refer as a bit of basic cop-on, meaning I'm not stupid enough to mock or tempt fate. For the same reason people don't step inside a fairy ring even if they've previously denied believing in fairies. Sometimes if you're not careful, you might accidentally manifest exactly what you're taunting. For instance, there are creatures called tulpa. According to Wiktionary, these are magical creatures that attain corporeal reality having been originally merely imaginary, or another way to explain, is a type of thought form capable of independent action with a persistent personality and identity, a kind of modern imaginary friend. There's an episode or two of these in the Supernatural series where people had such strong feelings about or believed in something so much that it manifested into reality. 
to those who were silly enough to mock Annabelle. It could be that they were followed home by something they manifested, fueled by the demonic force inside of Annabelle. I'd rather not find out. What do you think of that story? That was a cool story. I, I, dolls are just freaky. Yeah. I just And do you know what, though? In the movies, like she's porcelain and she looks really, really creepy. What's the movie called? Anna? Uh, it's the Conjuring franchise. like, And then oh. Annabelle is one of the movies. It's uh, it, I just I'll show you the difference between the dolls because it's hang on two seconds. So that's the doll in the movie. Yeah. And that's the real doll. But mm-hmm. I actually think the real doll is even more creepy because she's supposed she just looks pure innocent and yet all these yeah. things happened around her. Now again, whether they're true or not, I don't know. But I'm not going to stand there and tap on her case and go, uh, show us what you can do. Like you mm. just you don't tempt fate like that. You don't annoy it. But yeah, dolls creep me out. They're, they're, well looking at that one it's pretty scary I'm scared the real one or the movie yeah both, both of them <laughs> yeah wouldn't her and Robert the doll make such a cute couple oh god can you imagine the demonic babies oh. roaming around be great I'd rather not I don't understand why anyone would be that disrespectful to show up like I don't care what it is it doesn't matter what kind of folklore it is or what kind of museum oh. you have like if you go into the leprechaun museum in Dublin City yeah and you start doing stuff like that, you would be very swiftly escorted out because you just don't go into somebody's museum or a place that somebody's, yeah. you know, tried to make a display of occult or, you know, paranormal things. You, you just, don't, people don't behave like that. Mm. The um, the Warren Museum is pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, they have a very eclectic collection. It's not just one or, it's like you've got your, typical Ouija boards and then you've got some paintings that look a little bit a little bit too red for my liking what did you use for that what's what's the word you use crimson crimson, crimson. but they've also got like an alleged vampire's coffin a child's tombstone that's used as a satanic altar death curses demon masks psychic photographs like there's tons of stuff it's a very eclectic collection but I can only imagine the amount of energy that probably comes from that place it is actually closed now that I think about it I think the two of them have since passed mm. um, so we won't be taking a trip there no because we totally would have because we're brave have you any characters for me couple oh see see what show I've been watching recently so for Donna yeah uh-huh. uh, oh god damn my right is <laughs> so for Donna yes is Laura Prepon she plays a character called Donna. Donna Pinziati. Redhead? Redhead. Uh, Angie? Wait, is this Grey's Anatomy? Because otherwise I'm no. not guessing the right people. Yeah, oh, okay. No. I was uh, I was guessing the one who went on to private practice. What have you been watching? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Mila Kunis. As? Angie. Okay, very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you know what show I'm talking about yet? I haven't got a clue yet. Okay. Are you watching that 70s show yes. again? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, and Lou, Topher Grace, who is uh, Eric Foreman. Very good. Okay, and then Ed, Kurt Wait, Wood. hang on, you put Mila Kunis with the... Um, did they ever have a thing? I don't think they have a thing. I like oh, the way you put the two people there that aren't actually together in the because now I have pictures in my head and I actually think they make a really cute couple. Go on. Um, Ed by Kurtwood Smith, who played Red Foreman. Yes, yes. And Lorraine, played by Deborah Jo Root, who played Kitty Foreman. Yes. And there are they have. She was also in... WandaVision. Kitty was? Yeah, she played a really cool part in that. She was 
the very early on episodes because it looked like a a show from the 50s or the 60s no she was she was she was the wife of the boss boss. yeah yeah yeah. and she was all like oh come on Phil or whatever his name was because he was like in the middle of choking he was actively unaliving and she was like you're okay everything's fine and I'm like can someone go and give the man a pat on the back please Um, that's a really good cast I know he gave you loads of characters Mm -hmm. sometimes it's good when there's only like a few and then sometimes when you've been watching something I love seeing who you put together who's your woman I don't know Bette Miller no I keep going with Bette Miller but it's not Betty Bet. Betty White no okay you know who Kathy Bates <laughs> this, this particular oh movie is going to be directed Stop laughing. oh my god she can be Annabelle Kathy Bates is going to be the voice of Annabelle yes yes yeah. I think okay. she, could, she could definitely pull it off um, I didn't really fall down a rabbit hole that I can actually give you facts or information about. I did kind of come across something kind of icky because remember I said to you during the week I changed my mind about six times about what episode I wanted to cover. I was looking at doing another um, Tower of London episode to do another ghost. Remember we did the Anne Boleyn? Oh, very good, yeah. And I was looking at the story of the two princes. Very, very sad story. Really, really kind of hard to tell what's true and what's not true because there's I'll, I'll come back to it but while I was doing research on that I found out there is a mortuary underneath Tower Bridge now I know a lot of people think London Bridge is Tower Bridge it's it's not the same London Bridge is actually quite boring looking in comparison Tower Bridge is the one with the the, te- the two towers they're, they're very pretty they're very castle looking yeah um, underneath one of those towers there's a mortuary because I'm, I'm getting the impression that a lot of people just died in London and the, somehow their bodies would wind up in the Thames and there was this so underneath the pillar there's a hole or there's an alleyway that goes through and because of the way the alleyway went and the flow of the water all of these bodies would just flow up into this little gap underneath the tower and they had to build a mortuary there so that every time a body washed up, they could pull it in and identify it. But a really gross for the fact is, all of London is done out, not all of London, but that particular part of London is done out heavily in cobblestones and they all have gaps in between them. You probably don't know this because you're, you don't wear heels, um, but like, do you know that kind of cobble yeah. lock that's really difficult to walk on because the there's no, do, yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing in between the cobbles. Mm-hmm under that bridge is all done out in white tile and I was like well why would it be so different that's quite expensive and it turns out it's because it's easier to clean mm-hmm. because if they didn't get to the bodies quick enough you know yourself decomposing bodies Good. tend to explode oh yum and it was easier to clean and I was like that is totally gross and absolutely fascinating so that's the rabbit hole I fell down it's not really something that's like individual facts but I just thought it was really cool because and there's just such a dark and seedy underbelly to London that I didn't know about I just thought it was really cool because the amount of people that walk across it or the gigantic line of people waiting to get into um, have a look around the towers or on the way to the Tower of London and they just walk past it and they don't know what they're walking over I just thought it was really really cool so have you any questions for me? no all good? yeah did I spook you enough? Mm, yes oh yay I love when I give you a spook we finish up there? go for it say words
So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to contact us, our socials are what's the story ghost at gmail.com by email and what's the story ghost on Instagram. I will put all the links that I've used today in the description. Oh, and happy new year. I know it's like the 25th of January, but happy Christmas and happy new year. If you're like me, you're still writing 2022. <laughs> I'm writing 2023. So those are all my words. Oh, exit jingle. Exit jingle. Hanging out. Oh yeah, okay. Down the street. Bye. Bye. I didn't know what you were going for. I, 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 I actually forgot that I'm not supposed to sing the, 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 the English. Okay.